Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of Earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. We have a lot to talk about today. The football team is fresh off an upset of number 24, Kansas State, and we'll welcome current number 22, Oklahoma State, to town this coming weekend. The basketball team went 2-0 since the last time we spoke, uh, taking care of business against rival Pitt. And then pulling away late after collapsing, kind of late, against Northern Colorado on Monday night. And I'm going to need some help covering it. So I'm going to welcome in Mr. Mike. Because as a Mike, how are you? I'm good. I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm working on a new laptop here. And I want to run the story by you. Are, you. are you an Android guy or an Apple guy? I'm an Android guy. Okay. I've never done anything Apple. Um, my laptop is as old as I've worked for you guys, right? So like two and a half years, and it's in fine shape. I haven't dropped it or anything like that, which is of note when it comes to me. Um, but the hinges went bad on my laptop. Um, it's really hard to type when the hinges don't work on your laptop. So I was like winging it for a while with bookends and stuff like that, trying to keep it up. But Black Friday sales, sales started on Sunday, so I went and I bought a laptop. I did all this research for it and tried to figure out what I wanted. And we have pretty good discount program so i was trying to buy one online through our work site and everything couldn't find one and what i liked that was available was actually at best buy in morgantown and it was cheaper and it was on a good deal and you can do the financing and all that so ran to best buy to buy a laptop and i walk in there and i said yes i'd like to buy this laptop and the guy said hey great pick exquisite taste in electronics you have and i said thank you and he said but i can't tell you that that laptop does anything better than his iPad. And I was immediately like, I'm not buying an iPad. Like, I don't watch cartoons or stream a whole lot or play, like, uh, Bejeweled or anything. And he was like, no, no, no. These are cool. Check it out. They're like a, a laptop. And sure enough, he unfolded the whole thing at the keyboard and showed me all this and then sold me on everything about how it has a lot of the programs and software you want. You don't have to mess around with antivirus. So I do all this research about finding a laptop. I go and I get it. And I walk out of there with an iPad. Which is strange. Now, like, like what, what we do for a living, we have we we do research, we come up with ideas, and we make a point and we defend it. And it's really weird when like you're not certain of something that you do. You think like, all right, I did everything I'm supposed to do, and I know it, what I'm supposed to do, and I did it, and it's right. And immediately, everybody was like, "Why did you buy an iPad?" <laughs> and I'm like very shaken by this now because did I buy the right thing? Did I not? And I'm I'm kind of crossing my fingers and hoping this works. And here's the best part too. I buy the iPad and everything, and they're talking about it, and they're patting me on the back, and I think they're trying to make me feel better than, like, buyer's remorse. And I'm getting ready to walk out, and they go, oh, oh, you need the keyboard. And not only did I go in to buy a laptop and walk out with a keyboard, or buy a walk out with an iPad, I walked out with an iPad and no keyboard because they were out of keyboards. Uh, so I've got nothing accomplished that I was supposed to get accomplished. I, for two days, I've been typing with, like, a duct tape laptop, but now I have this new half iPad, half laptop, and... I'm shaking. Can you talk me into the fact that I made a good decision here, or is this very risky and, and unlike me? Okay, Boomer. Let, let's go over this. Uh, <laughs> now, welcome welcome to the Times, Mike. I'm not an iPad man myself, but uh, I, it, I may not be the best person to ask because I get made fun of constantly because, as most people know, there's a lot of travel involved with this job, mm -hmm. and I will take my laptop anywhere. 
and I have one of the big 17 inch screens so that I can see everything when I'm moving things around. So going to an iPad or a smaller computer or a more, you know, something that makes sense for more travel is not my style. So I may not be the best person uh, to ask for reassurance here. This would have been a great idea when I traveled more because the confines of press row are really rough nowadays. They're really putting you in small spots and they're cramming more people in a small area. So you don't have a lot of like left to right space. So smaller is better. And I have the same 17 inch too. Um, and also like seat backs on airplanes, not a lot of room. The big thing for me is the keyboard. I have like baby hands. This is true. You probably don't know about this, but this is about me, but I have like small hands and like I, I need like two hands to do control alt delete on a keyboard which is emasculating and like my hand disappears in like athletes hands when I shake them all the time, but it also like disappears in my nephew's hands sometimes. (laughs) So I felt a lot better having a small keyboard because I feel like I actually have a normal human size hands now. So for that alone, I feel like this is a good decision. Hey Neil, when you're listening to this, this is good ammo right here. Just, just let you know, (laughs) you, you let Mike slide today during, uh, the press conference, but I don't think you can let it slide anymore. Not when he's going to give you ammo like that. I, I'm just very discombobulated by this whole thing right now. And like I said, thinking it was a good decision. And the guy was especially like, why'd you buy a laptop when you can buy this smaller laptop that has everything you need and also that you don't need. And like, I'm the type of person who's like, well, if I don't need it, why do I need it? But I was thinking like, oh, actually I do need that. I do want that. So this this has to work, and I will not relent. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to tell anybody. How's that laptop? It's fine. There you go. Oh, boy. Well, let's get back to West Virginia, and, and we'll worry about your technology problems after the fact. But we do, I brought it up already. Press conference today with Neil Brown preparing for Oklahoma State. Um he shared some news. Uh, Josh Norwood's out for the year. I think we all assume that. Uh, we already knew that after what Brown said after the game, noting that uh, you know the prognosis looked long term. It wasn't good, but he was he didn't speculate or divulge the exact injury. We learned that it was a broken collarbone. He had surgery Tuesday morning, and hey man, I know he said he's not thinking about the B word, bowl game, but he I, I took note of the way he described. Norwood's injury and absence that instead of saying he's out for the year out for the season out for the next few weeks and will be back by mid-December I'm not uh, I'm not speaking for Neil Brown here but it sure sounds to me like he's guaranteeing a bowl game right there absolutely right <laughs> what did you what did you think about that disclosure that he volunteered it by saying oh, this is the first time I've ever even said it but do you think it's so obvious to players that is unspoken were you surprised that like someone who is so um I'm trying to think of the right word here. He he's into themes for for lack of a better phrase, you know, go one and oh, stack things, trust the climb, all that stuff. That this just seems like a, an easy thing. Like, hey, let's let's win a two team or a fourteen playoff or two game playoff here. Let's win a two game playoff and get to a bowl game and see what happens. Whatever the way you could do it, but that bowl game is a huge carrot. I figured that would be a good way to incentivize. Um the final two games of the season, especially with, I think, how good everybody feels and how confident everybody feels now with the win and the change of quarterback. I think it absolutely is 
an unspoken like unspoken goal carrot you know everybody understands that that's what's out there and the possibility i can almost guarantee that there were staffers maybe even brown in his own head maybe even some players if they watched it that when your boy asked that question they were like oh don't bring it up oh why (laughs) did you bring that up um because yeah it's there there's no way you can ignore it so but i think they're just not really discussing it that he truly is trying to keep everyone focused on hey let's just get better let's just try to win this one game and if the b word happens great I think I was probably most curious about what they would be saying or thinking this afternoon, excuse me, Tuesday afternoon. And um, it was just clear to me that Saturday happened. It didn't change anything. It just continued things. And maybe it, it reinforced some stuff and maybe it cemented the the fact that they've been making progress, all that good stuff. But by no means is that where they're going to stop and look around and say, hey, this is a great view. They want to get a little higher and a little further toward their ceiling this season and then, you know, get to that level and say, hey, you know, we did it. So right now is not the time to stop and look around and feel like they accomplished anything. So that alone was probably promising. I just um, – I wasn't sure what he would do. I kind of figured that he might might make the tact of like, hey, let's go 2-0, and but that would be the opposite of the whole let's go 1-0, which they've been doing for a while now. So I just saw some – maybe I'm stealing my own thunder with a, a written piece we could do here, but he noted – at that, during that same conversation that ever since uh, I'm kind of semi quoting here, the debacle of the first half against Missouri, he's used that word three times, by the way. So that is his definite description. Okay. So since that point, he has been looking for just improvement. Would you, and I started thinking about the various position groups um, and whether or not they have improved since the debacle of the first half of Missouri. Um, just a quick run off the top of your head. Are, are there any groups that you would say definitively yes? Uh, any groups you would say definitively no uh, over that span? Has gotten better or not, or even gotten worse? I would give incompletes to running back and to linebacker. I wouldn't really say no to anything because I, I think everything is better than it was, certainly in that first half. Running backs is hard because that's connected to a lot of stuff. And I can't say that Kenny McCoy is better or Letty Brown is better right now. I think they would have benefited if Martel Pettaway had played more. Um, I don't think Alex Singfield is better right now, but I think he might have benefited if the run blocking was better, if he had been more of a focal point in game plans. But if you look at what happened Saturday, certainly when, when holes are there and when things are blocked better and longer, they have a chance, but that didn't extend to the second half. Linebacker were not very disruptive players when healthy. Trouble is, they haven't been healthy very long. They haven't been well-armed very long. Um, Cowan didn't play the first two games, four games, played two games, gone. Uh, Qualls fought a shoulder injury for a while and eventually succumbed to it and had surgery. Josh Chandler, I mean, just everybody that we've kept tabs on this year really hasn't had a chance to get their feet on the ground and then push off. So I think when they're healthy, they're capable. And when they're pointing in the right direction, they're capable. Um, but it's hard to say that they're better than they were just because it's it's hard for them to get make progress. Quarterback, I think the change made it better. Offensive line, I think, is better than it was, and I think it was probably pointing in that direction too before even they, the coaches maybe talked us into that last week. Defensive line, absolutely. Cornerback, 
uh, pretty steady, but I think the fact that Fortune has bailed him out a couple times in situations and that Bailey is a lot better now than he was in any point in our memory. And then the many things they've been able to do at safety with different combinations and different game plans, every one of those is the yes or the better. Disagree? I'd just like to correct one thing on Hakeem Bailey. Better than any other regular season, Hakeem True. Bailey. Because Hakeem Bailey in the spring and in my dreams, a lot better. Amazing. Um, so, the uh, going picking one piece out of there, the comment about Daigie and quarterback play being better, at mm-hmm. least in that one game. Do we think that is just the start of it getting better? Do we think that's the ceiling? It's just just a, a little bit better, and that's going to be it? Or do we think that that was a one-off thing of guys just being excited that there was a change and it's something new and different and kind of ignites the whole offense, but it might not last? Probably a little bit of everything when you think about the positive effect that a quarterback change can have. The performance- Mike, that was the worst first-take answer I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I'm getting I'm going to hit you with the hammer in a second here. but Because, again – you do stuff better when you when your offense you, your your offense does stuff better when your quarterback's more capable and we saw that he has a he's more accurate and he has a stronger arm I get that and I think it, it didn't invigorate people but I think that there's a shelf life on that and I think there's a chance he plateaus pretty quickly there's my hammer because they're not giving him a lot I mean he has probably a pamphlet as opposed to a playbook right now and it's pretty limited and it's because of a game plan for the defense it's because you know, they're, they're changing things on offense with their offensive line and their receivers, too. There's different guys starting at center. There's inside receivers playing outside and vice, or outside receivers playing inside right now. So I think if they're going to be good for these final few games and maximize whatever's left, then they're not going to do a lot more. So you probably saw the full daggy, so to speak, in that first game. I don't think that they're going to add a whole lot to his repertoire. So I think that for a, a debut, hey, it was good. I think your first game is going to look a lot like your third game. So now let's let's look at Saturday before we kind of switch gears and go to basketball. What? Tell me one thing. Tell me two things, because I got two things in my mind. Does West Virginia have to do to win on Saturday? Try not to make it coach cliche. They'll probably have to play the defense they played against Baylor. And have to play it really well because nobody throws the ball deeper more often, I would think, than Oklahoma State. Nobody connects more often. I, I'm pretty sure they're number one in explosive pass plays um, or explosive plays in scrimmage, maybe one or the other, maybe both. Um, so they're going to try to stretch the defense. They do that still without Wallace. He, he's out. Tylen Wallace is out. They're still doing the same things. Their quarterback's kind of dangerous, too. He gets frisky out, out of the pocket, and he, he throws deep. That's what guys do. You keep your eyes up. You throw the ball deep. But – when you do that, a guy like Hubbard's going to get to that second level, and and he's too fast for linebackers and cornerbacks and safeties. So I think you're going to see a lot of that that deep shell with that robber dancing around and, and crashing forward to fill the box. And that may actually be a really good idea now too, because without Norwood, um, you probably have to do something a little bit different to have that contact courage in the run game. Martin's good at that stuff. I don't think he's near the tackle, but Norwood is. Guzman's a pretty good tackler. If you can play that robber position, that's really good. So the question then is, do you go four down or do you go three down? Like, how do you get that mix? I mean, there's a way to do it and and still keep that that robber, that three, two, six kind of look. You can go four, one, six. It's hard to do. And that's curious to me because that even front, that was pretty good last week, wasn't it? I think so. 
I, I like the idea of that 416, especially given the issues with depth at linebacker. But I'm with you. I don't know how. It, I guess you could you could spring it on him, but you'd have to adjust as the game went on because I think it would work to begin with until Mike Gundy and his offensive staff kind of schemed around and, and started targeting the middle, and, and then they'd just be able to pick it apart. So I'm not sure it worked the whole game, but it might be something you could throw out there, say, to start the game or in certain situations just to kind of stifle the, that deep ball. And I did look that up as part of my five things you need to know piece after uh, Neil Brown said it during his press conference, that they led the nation in explosive plays, pass plays, whatnot. Um, so I, I looked for the 10-plus yards and the 20-plus yards, and I could not find Oklahoma State anywhere on the list. Nowhere. But if you keep going up to 30, 40, 50-plus yard plays, they lead the nation. And yeah. They average two, two different 50-plus yard plays per game so far this year. I mean, that's... Those are two game two game changing plays in the same game. So West Virginia secondary really has to be prepared for that. Yeah, so I think that's why adding another body back there is good because Guzman could probably help you cover some things and he might be able to come up and tackle. I think maybe Martin's a better free safety in the responsibility covered sense than Norwood. Norwood's a better tackler for sure. And probably the sequence of events where they played the odd front one week and the even front the next. Um, they're not going to be deeper on defense right now, but I think that they were able to do one one week and then another the next week. That gives them a chance to maybe flip in and out of each and kind of keep Oklahoma State off balance a little bit. Maybe it's an even front for one series or one quarter, and maybe it's back to odd. Perhaps it's it's odd and base, and they change it up with an even front every so often. Um, they have some they have some possibilities there, and if nothing else, we kind of learned that uh, that Coning is going to get in the lab and work on some stuff and find something that works for that day. He quite likely already has it on the grease board, and it may just be a point of revisiting it right now. I, I also like the idea of kind of changing up the, the fronts and the looks on defense uh, in part because, or mostly because of the freshman quarterback over there at Oklahoma State. Spencer yeah. Sanders is, is, is electric. He can make the big play, but he can also turn it over a lot. Um, when I did – my midseason piece on things to know about future opponents. At the time, it was seven games in, and he alone had 14 turnovers between interceptions and fumbles lost. Wow. And uh, Oklahoma State ranked, I think it was 123rd in turnover margin out of 130 teams at that point. And since then, they have gone plus three, plus three, plus two in turnovers the last three games. So they're turning it around there, but if West Virginia can kind of mix up those coverages, mix up those looks. I think they might be able to uh, confuse Sanders a little bit and force him to get back into old habits and turn the ball over a couple of times. It's been a while since they really affected a quarterback, too. So it's possible. Um, just the, the concern is that it's not that the top can come off the defense. It's that you, you find a hole in the top and, and something bad happens, too. And, you know, he can get to that second level. You know, they run some – short stuff that goes long and, and Hubbard's just really good. I mean, he's, he's an all around guy that um, he's kind of one of those rare guys that can kind of score from a handoff anywhere on the field, kind of a unique talent. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Do we want to turn our attentions to basketball, Mike? Or you got anything else on football right now? No, that's good. I think that, I mean, obviously football stays in the conversation right now and for, you know, at least a couple more days until we know more or less about the future. But basketball is something I am really, really intrigued by for various reasons that I'm I'm eager to talk to you about. Well, go ahead. Get us started. Does this have anything to do with a certain um, coach's decision made on Monday night or Let's, something yeah. else? Well, so I'm curious what you think about this here. And let me say that Huggins knows the buttons to press and the levers to pull. So this is not a critique. It's me watching it going, I wonder how this is going to work. Um, I'm I'm very interested in how they're going to balance Shibway and Culver together. Uh, we did not get that opportunity on Monday because Culver did something untoward and was benched for the first half. Not sure what the point was when you're trying to maybe – get a message across where in case of emergency break glass, they did because Shibway was bad and route was bad. They went to Culver and Culver saved the day. So making a point, but not sending the message was unusual to me. Um, but Huggins said, I'm not dumb. I'm going to win. So he did. Shibway kind of made some mistakes and wasn't able to play through it. Those are, those are actions and, and messages in the opposite direction. But that just continues this whole thing about how they're going to make it work with those two. It's not going to cause a rift between uh, number one, number 34. I get that. But just watching this dynamic, how you're going to play them together, start them together, balance their minutes, rotate their minutes. And oh, by the way, you know, one bails out the other, which is good for the team. But the reason that he bailed him out was because he wasn't there at the beginning, which is not good for the team. Uh, This dynamic just continues to evolve. I think when Huggins said he wanted to try that out, when he wanted to run the two towers kind of thing, the belief, I guess, was that Shibway could could float out, could extend the defense a little bit on offense or on the other side of the ball. He could guard more of a wing-type player. But I'm not sure he can do that. I, I think when I watch it, he on the offensive end at least, he's pretty limited to – say, the elbows and in, or short corners and in. And once you get him in there, that's probably the extent of Culver's um, reliable distance as well. And you get two guys in there, all, you're jammed up in the lane. There is nowhere to go when you have them both on there on the offensive side and they're in there. And if they're not in there, the defense knows that they're not a threat. So it is going to be tough to play them side by side, except for in very certain matchups and i'm not certain there's many of them on the schedule this year or there's one and they'll play them twice and they'll shoot two free throws and the other team will shoot 35 (laughs) because that's a big front court um and they're having problems with that now too i speak of kansas of course of course um 
big front court, it's not easy. Um, the game is so spaced out now, and teams are playing three guards, sometimes four guards, that, um, yeah, it's great to say we're big, we'll we'll pound the ball down low, and we'll grab every rebound. West Virginia can rebound, cannot pound the ball down low right now. It's it's something different every time. Very rarely is it a clean catch and score. There's a bobble. There's somebody rushing down the double. There's a quick shot that you know hits the front of the rim and can't be rebounded. Just something right now isn't off. Uh, you're right. The spacing when when Sheboy and Culver are together, they bump into each other and they occupy the same space a lot. And not one of those guys is a great shooter. Uh, I think Culver has an okay shot. By the way, he's 15 for 16 at the foul line. Is no 17 for 18 at the foul line. It's obvious you were listening to the post game radio, Mike. Bob said, "Let's not talk about this." Really said he okay. didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. So, he got he got asked about it and said, "Let's just leave well enough alone because he's not sure how long it's going to last." But he's very happy that it's happening. Of course, I, I've been told he's not a good foul shooter. Like this, uh, this doesn't happen in his hundred free throws a day either. So he's making them in the game, which is great to see, obviously. But that that kind of shows he has some touch and perhaps he can extend. They do not want Sheepway extending to the point where he shot an eighteen footer, and I thought Huggins was going to yank him out of the game. And I think he did pretty quickly after that too, but like it was just a stunned moment in the game at Pitt. And then, you know, so, but he's up high sometimes. And we saw uh, an entry pass hit the box on the backboard yesterday. And he sat right after that. Um, And that's your, your stretch player. And that's going to be a strange thing. Culver's a really good passer and and proved it a couple of times last night. And could a great give and go with Haley that kind of, created some separation i mean he might be the person that is your stretch guy um and and the truth be told they'll rotate the two but perhaps clover has more business doing that i'm not sure who's a better defender with some distance between them and the basket though culver can run and they talked about maybe he can play the top of the press that's been talked about we really haven't seen him exist or excel far from the basket and a couple of times last night she wake up pulled away Defending high screens, got lost, was a little bit too handsy on defense, got him into trouble. Um, I do think that teams are going to try to force West Virginia to to play to weaknesses right now. And that's I think that's a lot of what we're seeing Huggins do is that he's not shy about things. He's letting his team play through it um, to the point of like just throwing the ball inside a lot yesterday, even though that wasn't really what they were going to be good at. But I think he's trying to get some some practice and some repetitions in here. So what's the solution? Is it going to be almost a, a, a near like 2020 split in time between the two or with very little crossover? What's what, what do you suggest? I mean, I think you got to find a way to play them together. I mean, I, honestly, for like 10 minutes a half, right? Yeah. Like, I think you just have to. Like, those are your best players. And, and again, this sounds so easy, but I really think you find you put your best five on the floor as often as you can. And this is the same. Like, look at the offensive line in football. Um, Mays hasn't been good. Barron's healthy. He's part of their best five. They go with it. Um, you get your best 11 on the field on defense. That was four defensive linemen Saturday. So I really believe that's the way to go in any sport. Um, I just don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing, but now that you got in there, how do you move the football? How do you stop the football? How do you score points in basketball? That's what's really fun for me to watch right now, because it's not just those two. You kind of have to have a really good passer on the floor if you're going to do that. And then, is that McCabe? I think he's capable of that, but he does some stuff that makes him 
throw it in reverse and go to the bench. Um, Haley is a, probably the one guy that I think is a given there, and Matthews probably a given with those guys too. So those, that's a really big lineup. So maybe you can get away with playing McCabe, who's smaller. Um, but McBride has been getting a lot of the clutch minutes. Um, I'm not sure that McBride is the the shooter McCabe is, but McCabe was you know one for five against Pitt. I don't think he made a three yesterday. Uh, and, Mc, and McBride's capable of scoring off the bounce on his own right now. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit better to the basket. So we talked about this before, who's your starting point guard in Big 12 play? Starting to lean toward the freshman a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've had him as my quote closing on my closing five yeah. uh, for the reasons you're talking about there. Um, but it's an interesting conversation about McCabe because I think it Huggins has some decisions he has to make. He has to decide what he values more or hates less or however you want to put it because he's already said that he has a hard time playing McCabe and McBride or McCabe and Napper any two of those three together because of their size. He's he's mm-hmm. on record. He said that during his radio show, I believe it was after the pit game, that it's just hard for him to do uh, because they're both smaller or all three of them are smaller. It's hard to play two of them. And But he also hates turnovers and bad passes. And right now, Jordan McCabe has 11 assists to one turnover while the rest of the team is in negative territory in that department. Um, and you know, you got to make decisions. What, it, what Do you want to have a smaller backcourt but turn it over less? Are you going to open yourself up to the other team straight line driving it, another one of his pet peeves, to the basket, getting out-rebounded, out-sized, out-muscled? Um, it's, it's a tough spot, but it's a good tough spot, I think, because you have the talent and you got to make these tough decisions. I uh, made a big point on our post-game podcast Saturday to trust your eyes. Um, I had somebody at the game last night. I was walking to the press thing, and he pulled me aside. I know the, I know the person. But uh, he said, hey, um, I trust my eyes. What am I missing about McCabe? Chris, trust your eyes. What do you see with McCabe? I thought, at least in this most recent game, I mean, this was the most he played all season. He played 19 minutes against Northern Colorado. Uh, I do think he got pulled a couple times because he was getting straight line drived by his man. His man was getting into the lane. I'm not sure his man was scoring all the points, but there were a couple times there where his guy was dishing it off for easy baskets elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think he is getting the assists and he's not necessarily turning it over, but I think he's disrupting the flow of the offense sometimes because he is holding on to the ball and kind of just hammering it into the ground when he's dribbling. Uh, when Huggins wants him to swing it and wants that ball to keep moving. Because the more you move the ball, swing it back and forth from side to side on the court, um, the more the defense has to move and the more the better chance there is there's going to be an opening. And if one guy gets it, say, out on the wing and just starts dribbling and looking around, uh, that gives the defense time to rest. Yeah, he's not turning the ball over, but he's kind of stalling out the offense a little bit. Concerned at all about blowing a 17-point lead and being tied with six minutes left against Northern Colorado? Or is that a thing where, you know, maybe the way that they played or chose to play the game, whether with philosophy or personnel, kind of lended itself to a a weird outcome? I was not so worried about that. Uh, obviously, they had kind of benched Oscar, had, had started out by benching Culver. Uh, Emmett Matthews was hobbled, obviously. And I I was a little bit 
torn on Huggins' decision not to call a timeout because obviously Northern Colorado started getting on a run, and he just kind of sat back and waited. I know the TV timeout was there, so he knew at the next dead ball he was getting a free timeout, but I don't know if he was thinking that or if he was thinking, I want to see how they respond. And the response wasn't great until after that TV timeout. I would, I would be encouraged more than discouraged because of how they responded coming out of that TV timeout with a 10-0 run after Northern Colorado tied it up. Um, and I think that was more important than how they lost that 17-point lead to begin with. Yeah, the damage was done in the first half when they shot about 60% for about 15 minutes, which is pretty good. And Northern Colorado missed a lot of really good shots. I think that was kind of fool's gold, why people thought, wow, this should be easy. No, Northern Colorado's a very good offensive team, especially when it comes to perimeter, um, and missed a ton of open looks. That was going to come back to earth, and likely so was West Virginia's. Um, Those things did get back to level in opposite directions. So um, I was surprised by how thoroughly (laughs) the lead went away. And like you can kind of see it coming, which – you know, that's a ghost this team is still dealing with. They gave away leads last year. Up 10 was not safety for them. Um, so now it does seem like there's a way that in these three games you can look at it and say they haven't boat raced anybody, which is kind of frequent in November. They haven't really played a can of tomatoes yet. They played three pretty good teams, but you know they're getting used to these things that are close and nervy late in the games, which are probably more familiar late in the season. So um, I think they probably lose this game certainly last year. But also, like, if things were just a little bit different in the first half, if they don't shoot quite as well or if the other team shoots better. But, you know, they had something to do with the other team missing shots. And to their credit, they made shots. Those shots still count, even though they went in early in the game. They still count. And that was, that was really important later because they needed every one of those points at some point. And let's not completely write off Northern Colorado as, like, a garbage team either. Uh, no. Do I think they're a world-beater NCAA team? Um, maybe if they win their conference. I don't, I don't know about that. But they won 47 games in the last two seasons. They're – an okay team that was you know again not a world beater not some team that's probably going to make the tournament unless they win their conference but that was an okay team which is better than what we could say about some of the wins west virginia had last year so i I am not discouraged by the result on monday night akron is probably the best team they played so far which seems strange you consider they played pitt um Northern Colorado is, again, that's that's a team, four out of five starters back. Um, the, the fifth starter is a guy who tore his ACL last year and probably would have started. They had four guys who had a 20-point game. They shoot a ton of threes. Like, that was, that's a team, if you're not careful, gets you. But, again, three three different challenges, you know, between Akron, who's kind of veteran, small, spread it out, and, and score. Pitt's arrivals, and it's a road game, and it's intense. This team is a little bit like Akron, but shoots and doesn't drive nearly as much. Um, I just think it's good to be three and zero, but it's also good to get those experiences. And I think you're seeing Huggins willing to take some lumps, but not take the loss. And pretty much in every one of these games, he's gotten to a point where he decides he has to turn around and go back to the you know let's win the game thing. But encouraging, I think that he at least knows what that point is. And and again, he, he's not going to screw around and lose. I think he's really urgent about winning games this year and banking them early on. And um, but also making sure that he gets what he can out of it, which is great because a lot of times in November you see these, you know, 92 to 62 games, which that does something for some people. Uh, I think this is probably more. Definitely more beneficial, but I, I think it's like it's more of a discovery period for him. He's finding out what he has and who can do what and who can. So it's only three games, but 
from what you have seen so far, have your preseason expectations changed at all? Ooh, I think their non-conference is going to get tough. Like, I think these are tough games, and I thought they'd win all three of them. And honestly, like, they'll be okay until they get into Cancun. But they're going to – I mean, there, there are some potholes there probably. Um, Ohio State's very good. Like, they're, they're going to have a couple – um, I do think that they're going to need to get 10 wins out of non-conference play, which doesn't seem like a, a big number, but it could be difficult. Like, I don't think this is a 12-1 and non-conference team, and if it is, great. But got to bank them now because while I don't think that the Big 12 is terrific, I think that the bottom and the top are really close again. And I don't think West Virginia is necessarily near the top or bottom. I think they're probably a very strong middle team right now with the chance to go up and certainly down. But I would think a lot of people would look at the roster and – the coach and say more likely up than down, but um, it's going to be competitive in there too. So I, I do think it's a chance it's going to be playing for something in March, whether it's seeding or whether it's a bid in general. But I think a lot has to go right. But also I think a lot has to continue to go the way that it seems Huggins has it planned out and plotted out right now. So I also want to follow up with this. Do I move Oscar out of the lottery in my first round NBA mock draft, or is he still staying in there? Oscar is coaching Kentucky next year, right? <laughs> is that, uh, is that right? He might be. He might be able to beat Evansville, so <laughs> he might get the job. You know, I mean, that was probably a good thing for him last night too. Like he was, you could tell he was struggling. He was struggling, and you could tell he was frustrated, and he knew what was wrong when it was happening. Um, I just thought like the officiating was a little bit different than it was against Pitt. Pitt out there a lot of whistles, but like I just thought it was uneven last night, and not even from quarter to quarter. I mean, from one end to the other, and it just seemed like he was it was bugging him, and that hadn't happened. You know, that's not a guy who gets benched. Think about the last time he got benched, right? Probably hasn't happened too often, and he did last night, but he probably needed it too, just to sit down and like, hey, we got other guys, and we got this guy who's you know taller than you and has played more than you, and he can help, and we have these other guards who can do stuff, and um, personally, I kind of like it when Jermaine Haley's involved too. So that was all right for me to see. Is it, I'll, I'll end it on this. Cause I wanted to ask you this earlier. Is it a hot take to say Jermaine Haley is the best player on the team or do we want to stick with most consistent player on the team? Most or, is he ne- or is he neither most valuable? It depends how we want to do this. Like, if we put all the 13 players in a skill competition, I'm not sure Haley wins a lot of the competitions. Um, if we put him in a gym and you pick teams, his team is probably going to win a lot just because he'll find a way. So I think that he's just really good at what he does. And, like, I think his teammates defer to him a little bit. Like, that's the one guy that everybody in that team says, yo, he's really good. Like, you, you'll say something about Haley, like, hey, he had a good – hey, did you know he could do that? Or, hey, he had eight rebounds. The guy's like, no, he's really good. You should see him in practice. You should see him do this. They just like him to assert himself. I think part of his game, though, is laying back and looking for what works. Um, he took a three-pointer last night, which was not only his first three, it was his first jump shot of the season. And that's kind of what we're talking about. He's so good at getting to the basket and scoring around the basket, and he likes to rebound that – that's where he spends a lot of his time is like where his strengths are. But that's the guy who apparently is a really good shooter. And like last year we were writing about how good a step back jumper had become. And now he's taking one jumper all year because um, it's not his team. Like he doesn't, it doesn't have to be his team, but I just watch him play and I see a guy who can guard and rebound and, and run the offense and then probably could be a plus shooter at some point here. Yeah. He's, he's just somebody I could see at the end of the year or, or I don't know if you do daily fantasy, but 
he's a guy you probably want on your roster at all times. Just somebody that's going to stuff the stat sheet in a variety of ways. You know, 12 points, seven rebounds, three assists, a couple steals, a couple blocks. Um, he seems to be able to do just a little bit of everything. And I think uh, I, I don't know if I want to go so far as most valuable, but I kind of like that uh, angle of it, valuable rather than best or consistent. I think he does a lot for this team, and without him, they might be in some trouble, especially in these first couple of games. I think Culver's guy, or um, I think Sheba is the most irreplaceable just because of what he has, whether it's his energy, his ability to rebound from pretty much any position that he stands out on the floor. He can score with his back to the basket, um, and he doesn't stop. I think his contribution is the most irreplaceable. I don't think Culver can do the same stuff on the same duration that Sheba can, and that they're different players too, but... I would think about the same regard. Like if, if Haley rolls an ankle and he can't play for three games, like, are you going to be okay? Are you going to be as efficient? Are you going to be as effective? Can you adapt or adjust as much? And the more I think about this, the more I'm not sure that that's so easy. Well, I'll give you some time to think about it. Cause I think we have reached the end of today's podcast. Um, we've got more coming up this week, obviously West Virginia, Hoops will play Friday night against Boston University. Saturday, football against Oklahoma State. It is senior day. We'll have updates up to and after the game, during and after the games. Um, I have caught up with our friends at gopokes.com for podcasts and Q&A, just like we do every week. Five things to know is coming up. A couple interesting recruiting updates as well, including uh, currently on the board several updates with junior college players and their visits and their visit plans. Some of them are changing. Uh, caught up with a new high schooler down in Alabama who's going to come up for an official visit. Ties with Al Pogue, former ACC commit as well. Um, and we'll kind of go on in the next week, depending on what happens on Saturday. Mike, what do you got coming up? Going to expand on some of the late game um, growth for basketball. I think that's important. And then we'll get Huggins on Thursday and players on Thursday. So uh, we'll see what they think about themselves going forward. Football-wise, uh, you notice the quarterback was making checks at the line of scrimmage? Well, that was, Mike. That was important. Uh, I did bring that one up. I didn't get dunked on, so that was good. Um, also, hi, Neil. What's going? Uh, I think I think he was, you know, when he was playing our podcast over the speakers at practice the other day, I think he heard the pain in your voice recapping last week's just uh, dunk right in your face. So I think you just taking it easy on you. He's a nice guy. Uh, I'm Sean Bradley <laughs> on this podcast. Right now. Uh, and uh, just, yeah, we, we talked to cornerbacks about just how they've, they've gotten better and, and, you know, defensive linemen about how there's not many of them, but they're kind of building their defense around it from one week to the next, you know, corners. Um, they're going to have to get some bodies there for corners and safety, but, I think similar to the, to the defensive line, you can go to recruit and say, hey, this is a little bit different than what you thought before. Take a look at us, and that might open some doors for them. So I talked to different players and coaches just about that stuff, and then obviously we'll get into some nuts and bolts about the matchup and how things are going and um, what it should look like on Saturday. And you can find all that stuff at earsports.com. We'll be back here on the Country Roads Confidential Podcast on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening after the game with our rapid reaction, unless something crazy happens before then, um, but hopefully not. So until then, I'm Chris Anderson. I'm Mike Casaza. Thanks for listening.